my cardiologist told me three or four weeks ago, now if you get weak, you need to let some of us know. My battery is fixing to run out on my, on my pacemaker and that thing won't beat my heart one time without it working right. So, you know, you got that and then you got sugar trying to bring you down too. So, <laughs> it's living by faith, I think they call it. <laughs> but anyhow, I'm called to do something this morning. It's a little bit different. We had this part of this discussion several weeks ago and some of the stuff that I feel like that I need to tell you this morning is not politically correct. There's a lot of people that's not going to agree with it. They're already disagreeing with it by the way they're living and the way they've got systems of this country set up that goes against God's plan and what God talks about. So here's the thing, and I got a little introduction here too, because here's the whole thing. My requirement, my obligation to you as a God-called preacher is to give you truth. Now what you do with that truth is between you and God. My only obligation is to make sure that I speak the truth as a correct understanding of the word so that you won't already have some slack built into the equation. Somebody told me one day, said, you don't preach with enough slack. I said, well, I figured you're going to make your own slack. I always have me. I mean, I don't always do everything God tells me to do. So I'll tell you what's the truth and then you build whatever slack you want to in there. Because after all, that will be, as I said, between you and him. But listen to this now. As Christians, we've been told by Jesus that we hear his words as truth. But sometimes the only guaranteed truth we can get is the correctly understood words of the Bible or someone speaking the correctly understand words of the Bible. That's the only guarantees we've got about truth, folks. And when you look around at the normal day for most of us, there's all kinds of lies that our ears pick up all day long. Now, some of them are not ugly lies. Some of them are what people call half-truths, but a half-truth is still a half a lie. And I've learned that on every single list that I've seen that God has for people who are either going to heaven or not going to heaven in this Bible, that lying is on every single list. Now, he says in the sixth chapter of Proverbs, verse 16. There are six things God hates here. There are seven that are abomination to him. And the first one on the list is a proud look. That's the thing that God hates, number one. The second thing is a lying tongue. So lying is a big deal. And we hear them all day. Some of them, like I said, are not harmful lies, or that dress sure does make you look slim. You know, something like that. 
You know, you do stuff like that. And you know when you hear it, it's a lie, but it's not going to get anybody killed, so you just go on with it, see? But they're all around us. But sometimes when we need the truth, it's hard to find it. The words from any other source should bring hesitation on the part of confirmed Christian. Whatever you hear that involves anything about your faith, you ought to question it. First John says in 4.1 that we need to try or test every spirit, everything we hear, we need to check it out with God before we put it in our remembering list. I'd like to show you this morning what has been done to biblical truth by those who do not recognize our God. And they're all around us. And you come in contact with them every day. As Satan is the father of all liars, Jesus said, you can see that he's not overly concerned with the truth being told. So the world, his world, is more and more living a lie. And that's evident. If you're living by yourself, all you got to do is turn the TV on and you'll hear it. You'll hear a lot of it. The Holy Spirit wants you to know and understand correctly God's Word. Jesus said in John 14, 26, the Holy Spirit shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatever I have said under you. Now there's something I want you to remember from that scripture as we go into the rest of this, this information. The Holy Spirit shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance that Jesus ever said. So it's his job and responsibility that you learn the word and that you learn it correctly. In 79, when I found out that I had the gift of teaching, I started a class and immediately, I found the need for counseling. I was teaching a class on God and the family and the relationships within the family and what God said from His Word we needed to do in our families to, to, to have relationships in the family that were God-approved. People started coming to me and saying, what about this and what about that? Well, in those days, I didn't know Scripture near as well as I do now, and there were a lot of times I had no idea how to answer them, and so I started seeking Christian counselors to help me with the people that I couldn't help. And I couldn't find any. I found some that were Christians, but they didn't counsel according to the book, 
They didn't listen to the Holy Spirit, and He's the one that teaches us in all things. And I ran across a fellow by the name of Jay Adams. Jay Adams at the time was from Baltimore. For those who are interested, I mean, he's got seven or eight or nine degrees in divinity and theology and psychology and you name it. From John Hopkins, University of Missouri, and everywhere. But the big thing is, he is a psychiatrist, a certified psychiatrist who is a born-again believer who can absolutely take the Word of God and explain it like nobody I've ever been able to, to find. And so I got all of his material I could, and I started using it. It was very successful. And since then, I have tried to point everybody that I could in that direction. Two weeks ago, a friend of mine graduated from UAB in psychology wanting to be a, a young person's counselor. And I gave her a book and said, read the first chapter and I'll be back down at the barn in a few minutes. And when I got back down there, she was blown away. She said, I've got a degree in psychology and I've never heard anything put that plainly and that truthfully. She said, could I get the book? I said, I'll buy you one. She said, no, I can buy it myself. I just need that book. It was written by J. Adams, the, the Christian Counselor's Manual. And it has to do with, there's a group that he started called New Thetic Counselors. Now please listen to me. Anytime you see the word admonish in the New Testament, it is the Greek word neuthesis. Neuthetic counselors is taking neuthesis in the adjective form and calling them biblical counselors. There's one thing that they do. They do not give you their opinion. They do not give you other men's opinions. They give you only the advice that comes from the Bible. So here's another place for truth that you can be guaranteed that it's true. I have been skeptical of so many things since 1980 that are called mental illnesses. I think so many of those are cop-outs. I think they're excuses for people who don't want to have to deal with their sin. So we'll get into this this morning. Jay Adams says that the Bible allows for only three sources of personal problems in our lives. There's only three things that cause us problems. Number one is demonic activity. We've been talking about that. The demons can get in the life of an unbeliever and possess him and totally control him. 
they can oppress or influence and tempt the lives of Christians. And they're very successful at it. Modern psychology and psychiatry does not allow special treatment for demonic activity. They've got no instructions if they, if they diagnose a problem with somebody and they find that it's demonic activity, they do the same thing with it as they do with anything else. They start giving people chemicals. The second thing that causes problems in our lives is personal sin. Psychiatry, as I understand it, from three or four interviews since we talked about it three or four weeks ago from psychiatrists who are claimed to be Christians, psychiatry does not treat sin. The third thing that causes people problems in their lives with their behavior and their mental status and whatever is organic illness. Now, organic illness is a problem with the organ, with the brain. The one thing that I've found with neuthetic counselors, and they've got them all across the United States now, Jay Adams wrote his first book in 1973. I came along in 79. But one thing they do before they will diagnose any kind of problem with anybody that comes to them as a neuthetic counselor, as a psychiatrist, as a medical person, is they have their thinking processes and their brains tested by doctors to make sure that there is no problem with their brain before they go any further. If they find that there's aneurysms or blood supply shortage or tumors or anything that would cause your brain to cause you to act weird, they send you to a psychiatrist. The Bible, he says, leaves no grounds for non-organic mental illness. I pulled up mental illness on Google. And this is what it said. By the American Psychiatric Association. Is a disease or damage to the brain. This needs psychiatric doctors who treat organs medically. They're trained for it. The Bible leaves counseling, non-organic counseling, to pastors because they ought to be experts in sin and demonic activity. Now look at what we've got here.
the American Psychiatric Association calls mental illness disorders and here's their list. Fears, anxieties, depression, loss of interest, mood swings, hyperactivity, lack of attention, and thinking clearly. That's their list of mental illnesses. Now, we discussed several weeks ago this thing about dementia. I've learned a lot about dementia since then. And dementia in the medical, the modern medical situation only deals with remembering, okay? It's not crazy, it just has to do with your memory. And dementia is, is the word that they use to cover that single thing. So that's the reason, like Jeremy was talking about, that people who've been born-again believers all their lives can have a true mental illness called dementia that keeps them from being able to remember things. They're not crazy, but they can't remember. They appear to be out of sorts or having a disorder problem. Now, from the list I got from the modern, from the American Psychiatry Association, is all over chapter 6 of Matthew. God says, take no thought. Jesus said, take no thought for what you shall wear. Don't have anxiety about what you shall wear or what you shall eat or where you shall live. God knows that you need these things and he'll see that you have them. On this list of things that they call mental illnesses, Jesus covered every single one of them and he told us to stop doing it. Now let me tell you something. If you can stop doing something, it's not because of an organic illness that requires a medical doctor with a specialty in psychiatry to straighten out. But that's what they've covered. Jesus, probably at the time that he did that, that's those talking in the early chapters of Matthew, did not know that one day that a group of non-believers would come up with the problems that he had given to pastors to straighten out would be considered mental illness disorders. He simply told us to don't do them anymore. And he said that he would give us the power not to do them anymore. Mm -hmm. 
If Jesus said to stop it, trust me, you can stop it. He wouldn't tell you to stop doing something that you couldn't stop doing. If you will think about the things that he came to cure, there were three, there's these three things. He cured lameness and blindness, which is true illnesses. He took Satan out of people, which is demonic activity. And he cured sin in people with the gospel, his gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those were the three things that he covered. The new thetic counselors, the psychiatrists, say that the psychiatrist should return to the practice of medicine, his only legitimate sphere of activity. The minister should return to the God-given work of counseling for which he has been ousted by the American Medical Association and Psychiatric Association. Psychiatry should leave the area of the non-organic, which it is falsely claimed to be a medical specialty. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 16, you know it. It says, be ye holy as I am holy. Now I found out something. I can't be holy. That's a commandment for me to be holy, and I can't be holy. It is not within the heart of the man that walketh to direct his own steps correctly, Jeremiah says. So what Jesus was saying when he said, be holy as I am holy, is let me make you holy. Allow me to make you holy. He counseled the disciples and others to be just like him. Holy. In Romans chapter 1 and verse 4, he called the Holy Spirit the Spirit of holiness. No one gets sanctified. This period between being born again and standing face to face with Jesus after death is a period of sanctification. Jesus cleans us up but he does it with the Word of God and the Holy Spirit. That's the way he operates. But it can't happen without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, if you remember, it said he's the one who teaches us everything and brings to our remembrance everything Jesus said. to attempt to counsel anyone without the Holy Spirit and the Bible is rebellion. 
because it goes against the plan that God put forth to keep us all straight. He had his word written down that we have now, and he had the Holy Spirit put in the heart of all believers so that there was a communication between our heart and heaven 24-7. And we just know it and utilize it. God can guide us through anything we do. Through Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. Leave non-organic counseling to those that God called and enabled, the minister, the Holy Spirit, and the Bible. That's the three ways we get cleaned up or get normal or get better or get rid of problems that we have. Those who suffer from organic difficulties, the psychiatrist has reason for existence when he only treats medically those people who have problems with an organic etiology. A Christian counselor knows that there is a Bible solution to every single problem. Jesus, it says in my Bible, was tested in all ways, in all points, as we are, and that he successfully met every single test without sinning. Who better to listen to? Who better to remember what he was said than Jesus Christ? Since Jesus has met and solved all of life's basic problems, the Christian counselor should know that in Jesus' work and words as written in the Scriptures, he may find the needed solutions to whatever problem he is. That should be an obvious thing for us that to turn to Jesus and the Bible and the Holy Spirit every time we realize we have a problem. The scriptures say that God has revealed to his church all things pertaining to life and godliness. His church is you. And that God has given his word in written form in order to enable his people to engage in all good works, quote, by thoroughly equipping them for every problem in life. The Word says that a lot of things that the medical system is calling mental illnesses are not mental illnesses at all because you fix them yourself. Now it takes some self-control. 
It takes some spirituality. It takes knowledge of what we need to do to straighten ourselves out. But God says what we don't know to do, I've read you the scripture from Philippians a half a dozen times, when we don't know what to do, God will even show us that. He takes a responsibility for showing us without us even knowing that there's something in there to where to look for. Now think about this for a moment. You say it all the time. You probably memorized it as a child. Maybe you've said it a thousand times since you were four or five or six. The 23rd Psalm, how does it start out? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not lack. I like the word lack. The word that they used in the early Greek could be translated, I shall not want or I shall not like. Want usually has something to do I prefer and lack has to do with what I need. But what he's saying here is David said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not lack. There is nothing that I need as a human being unless I'm sick that Jesus and the Holy Spirit can't fix. You remember the scripture over in the New Testament where it says, we are sufficient in Him. He is all we need. The Oriental shepherd was famous for caring for for all the needs for his sheep, feeding them, healing them, leading them, resting them, and protecting them. You know, there's something that I recalled in looking at this. I trained livestock dogs for 35, 40 years, I guess. And I got a hold of a book the 23rd Psalm from the eyes of a shepherd. And I've still got it. It's a very good book. I'd recommend it to anybody. But it explains something in there that not handling sheep much. I mean, I used to sell hundreds of them at the stockyard, but that's my limit. I've never been out in the big fields with them. But I had to train a dog to work them. I was working cattle. But a lot of it's the same thing. But I found out that if the shepherd had a sheep that wouldn't stay in the herd, that rod that he kept in his belt, short, thick, club-like device made out of wood, he'd catch the sheep and break his front leg with that rod. And by the time the sheep got over being crippled, he wouldn't run away from the herd anymore. He had to limp so long and stay in the protection of the herd. He quit wanting to be somewhere else. 
I thought about that song, Prone to Wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the Lord I love. That's us. That's that sheep, like that sheep that doesn't want to stay with the rest of the sheep. And God even does whatever it takes to keep us with each other, to keep us in the places that we're supposed to be. The Holy Spirit, again, is the source of all holiness. The fruit of the Spirit, you know what I'm talking about in Galatians chapter what, chapter 5? Yep. The fruit of the Spirit is the result of the Holy Spirit's work as He attempts to sanctify believers through His Word. They've got them listed there. Love and forbearance and all those qualities that we get from being taught by the Holy Spirit to be correct. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9, the Holy Spirit regenerates and gives faith to the elect. It keeps us pumped up. It, when we get down with those things like they call lack of interest in depression, the Holy Spirit can pump us back up, get us back on the right road and acting correctly. And gives faith to the elect. What does it take to be the kind of person that God says is a correct believer in the Word? It takes a person with faith. Because this whole thing of a relationship with God through Jesus Christ is not natural for us. It's not a natural thing. We have to put on ideas and thoughts and requirements for ourselves and and, and self-control that we're not used to. But we can do it. But think for a moment as I close with this. Salvation and sanctification are the uses or the end products of our Bible. The whole thing about our Bible says you're to be saved and cleaned up, sanctified. To be like Jesus. So much of that is our mind. Because most of our behavior follows a thought. If you can correct the mind, you can correct most of the behavior. Because most of us will think about doing something and even bad things, we'll make them all right in our brain before we go and put them into motion, behavior. So we get our mind right 
We get our behavior right. We get our faith right. We understand the word correctly as the way it was written and God intended for us to. So we're people then without too many problems. Other than getting pecked at by the demonic activity. And as I've said before, all you've got to do with it is say no and turn around. And Satan, the coward, his forces will leave and go the other way. James, the brother of Jesus, teaches us that. I said at the start that some of this would be politically incorrect. I want to share something personal with you. I've been a type 1 diabetic for 55 years nearly. This January I will. The biggest problem I've had as a diabetic for 55 years has been the doctors. My daughter was home, youngest daughter was home last week. She was laughing. She said, I heard a man say, a doctor say, that I can guarantee you that you can catch diabetes. I guarantee you can. And he says, all you have to do is go pull up the American Diabetic Association, start eating everything they tell you to eat, and before any time, you'll have type 1 diabetes. She said, Daddy, you're the only other person I've ever heard say that. But it's true. Now I got heart problems. And my cardiologist looked at me and says, we need to do this and do that because we don't want you to die, Mr. Clark. I said, wait just a minute. You don't have anything to do with that. He said, I beg your pardon? I said, God is in charge of my living and dying. You're not. Now you've got something to do with whether I finish my life in a wheelchair or up scrambling around and preaching. But you don't have anything to do with my living and dying. He said, you believe that? I said, with all my heart. It's in the 14th chapter of Job. If you'd like, I'll find the scripture for it. Well, he didn't have time for that. And you know what I'm trying to say to you? I thought about this as I was thinking about all this. I've got an 84 Chevrolet truck. Pretty easily recognizable. Every mechanic I know knows exactly what it is when I drive up with it. If I drove up to a mechanic's place to have him work on my truck that didn't recognize the manufacturer of that truck and couldn't see obviously that it's a Chevrolet, I wouldn't let him touch it. But we've got people who are working on people every day who do not recognize Jehovah God, the one we serve. He doesn't even figure him in the conversation at all. They're like Ecclesiastes, a book that was written 
on how to live without God. And that's the tempt is trying to do. So what I'm admonishing you, here I'm using that word, what I'm admonishing you to do, please, as a born-again believer and a Christian and a child of God, have some concern about your body and who's working on it and what they're doing with it. Because the people who don't know our God may do something to hurt you. They probably won't mean to, but they could very easily do that. Now don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to be negative. I would not be alive today if it wasn't for the medical profession. But I've got one doctor. They're not allowed to tell you they're born again believers or whatever, but he's told me something about my kidneys when he said this. Let me just say this, Mr. Clark. He said, for every day that your God has ordained that you will live, your kidneys will not cost you one month of that life. That was the best news I ever had about my kidneys. But he felt the need to bring God into it to impress me with what he was fixing to say about advice. The Spirit of the Lord brought the two of us together about that right there. So what I'm trying to say to you is remember who your God is in this world today where you live among people who do not believe in that God. And do not believe that Jesus is sufficient in all things for everything we need. And He will teach us through the Holy Spirit everything that we need. Can't say it any better. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for your instruction. I thank you, Lord, for professionals like Jay Adams that can sit down with the Bible and take it apart and show us exactly what it says and what it means and who's supposed to do what. I thank you for this. Lord, I pray that for all of us, as we have our our bodies and our health and ourselves under people who do not know God, that you might step in and protect us anyway and cause us to understand what that protection means. Thank you, Lord, for being our protector and our guide and our provision. I thank you that as Jesus is my shepherd, I will not lack anything. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.